welcome to the Manifestation Bay podcast. My name is Katherine Zinkina, and I'm a manifestation expert, master mindset coach, and a multiple seven-figure entrepreneur. I'm obsessed with helping you achieve everything that you once thought was impossible. If you are looking to massively up-level your life, your finances, your relationships, your productivity and success, you have come to the right place. My goal in this podcast is to help you see the infinite potential within yourself to be, do, and have anything that your heart desires. Think of this podcast as your weekly dose of mindset development to help you maximize who you are and where you're going. Leave it to me to provide you with the tools, the resources, the strategies, and teachings that you need to manifest a reality wilder than your wildest dreams. I know we're about to have so much fun together, so thank you so much for pushing play today, and now let's begin. Hello, gorgeous souls. It is Catherine from ManifestationBabe.com, and I am joined today by my husband. Hello, guys. How are we doing? Brennan King (laughs) O'Keefe. And today we are coming together to finally record a podcast that's been on our minds since about mid-October when we were both in Dubai having a conversation on the way to Abu Dhabi in the car where we really felt like it was our mission and our duty and our obligation to help beautiful, beautiful souls overcome mental health struggles in order to manifest a more fulfilling life. And to be honest, we kind of sat on this one for a while because as you guys know, when inspiration hits, it's highly recommended to do whatever it is that you're called to do as soon as possible because if you even wait a couple days or a couple weeks, then it just fleets away and you get busy and things come up and you know, if you're us, you have a wedding that comes up, you have travel that comes up and so Finally, we are in between our wedding and our honeymoon, and we decided to give these couple days um, for us to get some of the work done that we really, really intended on getting done in 2018, but finally finish those loose ends um, just in the first couple days of 2019. So we're excited to record this episode. And this is a very different special episode because as you know, As a loyal listener and subscriber, I'm not typically an interviewer and I don't have interviews on my podcast. Maybe just, I think there's one that I interviewed on, interviewed you on um, this time last year, actually. I think I showcased our journey together and our relationship, but other than that, I've done zero interviews. So if I am rusty at this, I apologize because I'm so good at getting into flow on my own and interviewing other people is something that I want to practice and want to get better at. And who better to interview than Brennan O'Keefe, my husband. So welcome to the Manifestation Bay podcast, babe. Are you excited? Thank you so much for being here <laughs> in our uh, uh, our studio apartment um, <laughs> that we're moving out of here soon. Getting ready to move, you guys. Finally upgrading our apartment situation. <laughs> I'm really excited to be here. This is um, this is something that I think um, uh, is a very taboo topic in our society. And it's not taboo necessarily because um, it's bad. It simply is people don't know how to approach it. And oftentimes people are speaking from a position without experience. Mm. And um, ex- opinion without experience, it can be very powerful, but it's also something um, that, that lends to the ears. Um, who, who can I learn from that's actually gone through this? Who can I learn from that has had challenges or who has had triumphs? And um, I'm excited to share some of that with you today. Yeah, this is a really special episode because I know I've spoken about anxiety before and my struggles with anxiety. And Brennan and I actually did a training for my MBA students called Anxiety is My Gift. And it was mostly me teaching it because I am someone who has anxiety on and off. And thankfully, I have used every single tool that I teach you guys to overcome about 90% of it. And then the last 10% is something that I channel into my work in a very positive way because I started to see it as my gift. And this is super related to this episode because it's not going to be about me and my journey and my anxiety and my story, but I want to highlight Brennan um, with his journey around his um, diagnosis that he received in college. 
And Brennan, well, I'm not going to speak for him. I'm going to let him share his story, share what the diagnosis was and how he overcame that label. And I think it's so beautiful because I've personally been really inspired by you, babe. And you've been my emotional rock and you've been my emotional support. To so to even hear just the ups and downs that you went through and the really, really, really low lows that you have come from, I'm just like, holy crap. Like if you've overcome that, you know, what can we all overcome if we are just given the right guide and the right tools, right? So before we begin and before I start asking Brennan questions, and yes, I have them like written down over here because I want to make sure that I get through as much information and as many of his stories as possible. But before we get into it, super important, we give you guys this, this disclaimer, okay? So we are not mental health professionals, okay? We're not here to advise you on your mental health. We're obviously not doctors, we're not licensed to give medical advice, and everything in this podcast episode is around Brennan's personal experience and the lessons that he overcame by being diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And we will be talking about um, you know, his journey with medication and his journey actually getting off of medication. And I just wanna, you know, we just wanna make sure that you hear this from us through this disclaimer that you know, please do not get off of medication without prior, prior approval from your doctor first, okay? We're not here to tell you what's right or what's wrong. We're just here to share our journey, share Brennan's journey. Um, and, you know, obviously if your situation is very severe and if you are in the midst of your own very, very severe mental health struggle that you might need help that goes far beyond this podcast episode and to make sure to seek some mental health professional or a mental health counselor or a doctor to be able to help you get your feet on the right path. And once you feel more in control of that, then we believe that this podcast and the advice that Brennan gives to you and the lessons that he learned um, are going to be far more well received by you, especially since you're not struggling, like you're not in the midst of that severeness. And I think the important thing, guys, we're going to dig into this a lot more in depth, but for me, it's one of my main takeaways for all of you is that you're on your journey and no one can tell you what your journey looks like. And we are absolutely not medical professionals. We do not intend to come across that way. We are not, uh, uh, you know, in any way, the people who can be telling you what to do. Um, I'm simply sharing with you my journey in hopes that it can inspire you to become really transparent and honest with yourself about where you are. Perhaps you, oftentimes people will be not taking medication when perhaps they need to take medication and maybe then the correct move is to take medication or to seek out help from a licensed professional. Um, and, or, you know, and then conversely, if, um, if, if perhaps you were, have been walking hypnotized by someone else telling you what it is that you have or what it is that uh, makes you the way that you are, you know, there's certain situations where you can always be self-reflective, but again, Please do not get off medication without prior approval from your doctor. That is not the intention of this at all. This is not the medication episode. Mm -mm. This is simply the self-awareness episode where we can say to ourselves, wow, I am having this struggle and I need help. Or I'm having this struggle and there's other ways I can augment myself, including help um, or, or other things. Or like maybe perhaps I'm blowing this struggle um, um, into a bit more Way out of proportion. Out of proportion, exactly. Yeah, this will be the reframe episode, I believe, for you. Yes. Uh, beyond anything else, so Brennan, <laughs> why are you most excited to sit down and share your message on your mental health struggles today? You swear a lot on this podcast, right? I do. Yeah. Okay. Go for well, it. because it needs to be fucking addressed. <laughs> um, it needs to be addressed, and you know, I know many people who are incredibly successful. Um, who share about you know these type of be uh, these type of challenges or these type of struggles, these medical conditions from their platforms, and it's beautiful because awareness is so important. Um, but you have to follow up awareness with the ears. Uh, it can't simply lead with the mouth. The ears you need to be able to listen to people with these experiences, and not be coming from a place of a directive, not be coming from a place of what should you do, what shouldn't you do, how should it look, how shouldn't it look. The truth is. We are walking uh, energetic uh, particles, um, and our brain chemistry can is infinitely complex. And that brain chemistry is not something 
medicine has created a systematized system to make it easier to address these issues, but it's far from perfect. And so I'm really excited to share with you because, yeah, it needs to be fucking addressed, <laughs> but also because I think that a lot of people um, get caught in in believing what they hear instead of listening to themselves and really looking at what is it in me that is really empowering? What is it in me that's kind of disempowering? What can I do with that? And that's why I'm excited to share. Boom. Okay. So I know that a lot of my listeners do know you and know who you are because you show up in a lot of my images and stories and we do have some content together in my courses. Um, But, you know... There's always new people, and I'm sure that most people don't actually know your story. And you don't have to go really deep with it, babe. Just, like, tell us a little bit about your story, especially, you know, taking us back to when you were in college. So this really started in your college days. Um, Leading up to your diagnosis, like, what actually led up to your diagnosis, and where were you in your life? Sure thing. I think uh, I really started in high school. I I was a really quality student. I was someone who was you know a leader in athletics I was captain of the basketball team I was band president so I led externally a very successful achiever style um, um, life up to that point and so I had high expectations of myself others had high expectations of me I grew up with an amazing family who loved me unconditionally um, you know just a, a beautiful upbringing but when I got to college um, I, I actually had had reached out um, the the, all of the college, uh, pre-college exams and all the tests my senior year taking full course load, um, I had always been told I had some sort of like ADD or ADHD. And as a kid. So, as a kid. Mm. Um, or some sort of like, some sort of, it's funny because it's like some sort of attention deficit. <clears throat> so I had tried medication when I was younger. Um, and I vividly remember a, a story my parents telling me they gave me Ritalin and I would not shut up until like four in the morning. This is at like 12 <laughs> years old or 11 years old or something. And they knew like, this is not right. This is not how this should be. Um, and so my parents really moved away from it. But as I matured, I became you know more in charge of my own decisions. My parents weren't going with me to medical appointments. And I actually almost convinced myself of my need to use um, stimulants or, or Adderall. Um, was what I actually had initially begun taking at the end of high school. Now, in high school, it served me very well. High school, it augmented my energy. I was pushing through these exams, studying late night. And, you know, there's so much support. There's such a network. Your family, you live at home, all these great things in high school. But when I got to college, I was all of a sudden inundated with this new world that there was very little support. There was a lot of external support (laughs) that the college would like you to see in your parents' But really, you're on your own. You're in, you're in charge of your own discipline to do your homework, to go to class, and and whatnot. Um, at around the same time, I experienced a breakup. Um, let's just call that a traumatic episode. I think mm-hmm. is the best way to describe it. And things went kind of gangbusters for a minute. <clears throat> and you know, to this day, I don't really know exactly what made me do what I did the way that I did. But I went almost immediately into quite a depressed state, um, something I'd never been in before for about a week and a half. Um, you know, not getting up nearly at all, uh, making choices around drugs and alcohol with the friends. I was kind of like a big man on campus in my own um, kind of network of these young freshmen. Of course, this wasn't true. This was all just my <laughs> perception of it. Um, but, uh, you know, I perceived that people liked me, that I was, you know, cool. I was... Um, a very like in charge. And um, so when I hit this depression, I became maniacal about upholding this image, this image of this big man on campus has it all together, all this stuff. Um, And I created in essence, this disparity between what I was actually feeling and what I was trying to show. So what happened was I began taking my Adderall medication um, or I would continue to take my Adderall medication but with the depression, what it was doing is I was taking my Adderall medication later in the evening. This was making me stay up till 3, 4, 5 in the morning with anxiety, sweats, a running mind. And then I was sleeping through my classes in the morning. Um, as you can imagine, this wasn't super conducive to being successful <laughs> in school. And, you know, really to summarize things in short, um, I failed um, two classes and got pretty good marks in two classes those two classes being the evening classes. 
Um, however, I continued to self-sabotage myself with drugs and alcohol, um, staying up late, um, and just kind of living this double life that's completely um, ignorant to, the, to my situation, um, convincing myself that I was something I wasn't. Is this while you were depressed? Um, the depression lasted for about two, about a week and a half. Okay. At which point, um, my psychiatrist, and I'll get into the story too, uh, basically said I experienced my first mania spike, mm, which was got it. I had hit rock bottom, and then through self medication and self sabotage, I created a manic cycle where I was then staying up late and then sleeping in, where I didn't feel depressed, but it was only because I wasn't paying attention to. The polarity between feeling really depressed and feeling very high. <laughs> what led you to seeing a psychiatrist? Like, were you have you seen one before because of the medication since you were a kid? I had been in and out of therapy since I was a child. Um, okay. I had been. I. I. I uh, bless my parents were very helpful. Um, They're in, amazing people, by the way. <laughs> my mom and dad are probably about the most loving people on the planet. Mm -hmm. um, no offense to anyone else who's very loving, <laughs> um, but they had supported me for years, and they knew I had high energy and attention struggles. So I had been in and out of counseling and, and different therapists. By the time I was in college, I probably had already seen 10 or 11 therapists over a decade of my wow. life. So I was very used to this. And so seeing a counselor was nothing new to me. Um, but um, when I talk about my psychiatrist, I'm actually forward splashing the story to the next step. Okay. So long story short, guys, um, I had a really hard time at school. I convinced myself I was fine. I was not fine. Um, and of course, when my grades came out, my parents um, said, yeah, this isn't going to cut it. And no, you don't get a second chance. And they actually took me out of school. Um, and I had to go home with my parents, um, which kind of began the next chapter. So um, without getting too much into that, that was a really challenging period for me. Mm -hmm. um, I, um, when did you actually get the label? I labeled myself after I left school um, because I talked to psychiatrists. Okay. Because, guys, I had built so this persona like... for myself of being like this successful big man on campus. And, um, you know, that was so ravaged by this experience that I became entirely consumed to the point of almost psychosis, of, of remedying what I had lost. Yeah. Um, I, everything I was doing was to appear fine and best and amazing and cool and and that was all I was doing was was focused on was getting back to where I was at the cost of doing things with morality at the cost of doing things um, um, from the heart so um, that was really kind of my first introduction to college when were you actually given like bipolar disorder medication or a label or was that something where like these psychiatrists are telling me things that might lead me to believe this and so therefore this must be my label because I need an explanation for what's going on? That's a fantastic question for a non-interviewer. <laughs> um, yeah, so it really for me began um, when I left school, I, um, I became certified as a personal trainer. Um, that was very challenging for me, but I, I finally got what I needed to do together. Um, and that began something, uh, that some of you may know that I actually did do personal training for years after that as part of what I was doing. Um, but, um, yeah, it was really a dark time for me where I was trying to find certainty in the opinions of others because I had lost everything. And so anything that could give me some semblance of certainty to mm -hmm. get back to where I was, I grasped onto and held. And so, you know, I was making bad decisions. Like I ran a business where I was throwing nightclubs for uh, kids my age, um, where we would rent a venue, uh, hire security, hire a DJ. And it was a very lucrative cash business, but it was absolutely playing into my mania, my mania, my bipolar at the time. And, um, that it wasn't really until that period after my first semester in school and leaving that I began to see psychiatrists where it became important to me to get a diagnosis from mm. them to create an certainty to get an explanation. So I could find a solution to yeah. remedy all I had destroyed and not even really internally. It was really to remedy what I destroyed in the eyes of everyone else because I cared so much more about what everyone else thought mm. of me than actually what was going on. Got it. Okay, cool. What was your lowest moment then? And how did you get through it? 
oh man, my lowest moment, I think, was probably realizing that I was leaving school. Um, and that sounds so silly to some of you who have had incredible traumatic experiences, but I think we're all here to share our relative um, experiences because um, there's power in community. So, um, you know, there's people who have suffered immense pain, but for me, this was my rock bottom moment because it was everything I had dreamed of was taken away and I had no one to blame but myself, but I was so caught in a self-sabotage manic cycle that I couldn't, I wasn't even able to see that it was me. So I yeah. lashed out at my parents. I lashed out at the system. I felt like it was happening to me. Like somehow they were, they were delusional. <laughs> and in yeah, reality, yeah. I, 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 I made everyone else accountable except the accountability that I needed to take myself. Hmm. Okay. And how did you get through that low moment? Well, the truth is, is, is or at least what, what was the first step? Because I want to, I want to really highlight your breakthroughs. Because I've lived through your breakthroughs, yeah. Especially like much later in life. Because again, guys, we're talking about a decade ago, and I've only, well, we're married, and we've only known each other for three years. So I've lived. I remember about a year into our relationship, I literally lived through Brendan's biggest breakthrough, to where I can ask much better questions as we get closer to the breakthrough. Um, but I'm very interested to hear and kind of like. How did this label, like, what did this label mean to you? And, you know, what was it, what, how did it impact the meaning you gave to your life? So, so I think what, what I will do in this, in the course of telling the story is there's a huge blip beyond this, guys, that I think is easy to skip to really jump to UPW, mm -hmm. which is, I think, what right. we'll do. But I think it's important to mention at this point in college, um, I was doing anything and everything to get back what I had lost, mostly because of the guilt and shame, the yeah. guilt and shame of, of wasting my parents' money, the guilt and shame that I wasn't worthy or talented enough, or I was stupider than my friends, or all of these different self-sabotage um, ideas. Um, the label, I think, came because it gave an explanation. And so at this period, I was doing any and everything to appear to my psychiatrist and my parents that I was at least experiencing enough normalcy mm. that I could survive okay. through college and graduate. Right. And so I was basically, I, I began uh, uh, taking a litany of different medications, trying them, um, most, most of them to, to, to very disappointing results until I found one medication. And, and the irony of this medication that we'll get to later on is that it was horrible. It was <laughs> a drug that literally dimmed, when they say like, don't let them dim your light. <laughs> this didn't dim my light. It broke the light bulb and cut the power to the building. It was something that I would take in the evening that would basically knock me out. And it wasn't Ambien. It's not like a sleep aid, but it was actually a very powerful antipsychotic drug that was meant to help people. It's actually an anti-schizophrenic drug. And it was to help people uh, quell voices in their head. And while I feel very blessed, I've never experienced voices in my head. Um, my eyes are, my, my brain is very visual. And so I would experience um, restless nights with my brain just flashing um, images to me at a rapid, rapid pace that would just basically keep me awake. It was like my raw subconscious um, on overdrive um, perpetually. Um, and so that was really, really, really challenging for me. So when I, when I tried this drug, it stopped that. And when I, when, when I took this drug and it stopped it and I could prove that I was sleeping to my parents and to my psychiatrist, all of a sudden I got that. In NLP, we talk about uh, the results, the outcome. It didn't matter that it was a crappy drug and that it didn't address my issues at all. Right, as long as it got just results. got my outcome, which was, hey, I could sleep. Hey, look, I'm, I'm under control. I'm calm. I'm relaxed. Can I please go back to school and try to remedy my image that I care way too much about over everyone else? Yeah. I remember when we first... Um, and, and can I add in one more yeah, thing? Yeah, of course. I just want to add in that that was really the moment when I, when I, when I classified myself as being bipolar. Okay. was when they were telling me, telling me, telling me. But when I found him, I think it was, I think, uh, this, is, this, this inner work is not ongoing, guys. It's always ongoing. I think that when I said, oh my God, this works, mm. then I must be bipolar. It wasn't, I must be bipolar, this works. It was, if this works, then I must be bipolar and I'm getting what I want. And therefore, everything became wired to that. My identity became wired to that. 
I remember you telling me about this one particular counselor who finally started to listen to you and um, gave you the description of, Brendan, you're not bipolar because you told me that you only had one depressive episode in your life and you've had many, many, many manic episodes. Um, tell me a little bit about what that opened you up to and how that counselor kind of started to shift your perception of yourself. Certainly. So I think that we all have a bot. One of the ways I describe when I coach Catherine, or I coach people, you know, on our retreats, whether it's in Bali or And he or really or does coach me, you guys, by the way. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things I love to think about is we're always in a box. Even if we are open-minded, we always have a box. There's always some limitation to our mind. So the people who really experience unlimited mindset, the people who are really into this personal growth, even Catherine has a box. She's just constantly, perpetually tapping at it, breaking that box. And moving it. So that then she can grow into a bigger box. Mm -hmm. And then she grows into a bigger box and then taps it again. So what she's referencing is actually really a, a breakthrough moment in my life. After years, um, you know, after years of identifying with being bipolar and, and I did eventually graduate school and actually for years I couldn't even feel proud of that because of the shame and guilt of what I went through. I'm glad to say that's not true anymore, but that was the case for years of my life. Um, this counselor I had been seeing, my dad actually, <laughs> back to the therapy cycle, um, I, I found a counselor who was a very different type of counselor. He actually did not have an MD. Um, he was not a licensed um, um, psychologist. He was technically a counselor. And so what he studied, he was fascinated with the side effects of drugs. Mm. So instead of taking something at a, at, a, at a medical, at a pharmaceutical level, mm -hmm. you would be taking a drug at a non-pharmaceutical level. So a fraction of the amount that you would be taking it to prescribe for an illness because the side effects could benefit other other, other things that you're having in your life. Mm -hmm. Now, I bring that up because um, it's unimportant to the story, but it is important to recognize this was a very different approach um, than what was I was used to before. And this was the first person in my entire life who, when I was describing my situation, I said, well, I'm bipolar. I said, well, you're not bipolar. And I was like, what? And he's like, well, you're really like actually unipolar the way mm. you described it. But that doesn't exist. And I, and I was confused. I was like, he just gave a name to it. But what he did was he took my box. My box was bipolar oh, for a decade. Yeah. And he that. took a little pick and he just put a crack in it. That was it. That was the only difference. I, he took my identity and he made me question it. And that was massive in the, in the, in the, in this, in this, in, in what has happened. I look back to that moment and say, wow, I needed that. Yeah. I didn't know at the time how impactful it was, but at right. the time I needed it. It made me question if I was really as bipolar as I was as I was determined to believe for a decade. Yeah. I remember when I met Brennan actually, maybe like two weeks into our relationship, just from, you know, staying up late, texting each other when you guys are like crazy about each other, but you're not like obviously living together, so you text each other all day. Um, while you're at work and I remember you were working a finance job I was at home building a beach body business and then I remember when you would get off of work and get off of um, your um, what was it you were just training a lot are you gym. talking about the medicine when I ran out well I just want to share a little bit about like how I learned about you and kind mm -hmm. of how you were on and off medicine because it's so very interesting that I did notice the difference between when you were on medication and this off medication. This is really interesting actually. So um, I just remember Brennan at first, I was always amazed with how late he could stay up and how little sleep he could survive off. And I was just like, it's like, man, like this guy just literally could, could be a rock star on one to two hours of sleep. And I remember, I don't remember exactly what you said, but you said something like, I don't know if you really knew the truth about me, if you would still be with me. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, there's a reason why I'm so energized. And there's a reason why I can thrive off of so little sleep. And I was like, why are you like, what are you talking about? You know, and <laughs> that's a Pandora's box oftentimes. <laughs> and he was like, well, I'm actually bipolar. And I just, I don't even remember what I responded to, but it didn't affect me at all because I was just so enamored by you. And I just... I saw you as such a normal individual, and of course, you were medicated at the time, so there was something helping you kind of control that. Your reaction um, was very, very um, not what I expected. Yeah, I was just like, I was like, oh, that's cool, that makes sense, I, something like that. And then I remember, um, I remember you taking a pill. I think it was every night. 
to help you sleep? Was it to help it you? Was, it was. Was there would, a daytime pill and a nighttime yes, pill? Yes, yes, that was. Yeah, I remember you taking pills when you would sleep over at my parents' house. And then I remember there was one particular, uh, two particular moments where Brennan forgot to take his pill. And one of them was he came over my house for the night um, and forgot his morning pill. And he was just like so, we were driving to the mall and I just remember him being so spaced out and so distracted. And like, it's almost like there were so many stimuli coming at him to where he couldn't hold a conversation with me. He had to pay attention to the cars in front of him and the cars around him. And if he were to focus on me, he would stop driving, um, you know, well and um, that was, of course, dangerous. So I remember, like, we couldn't have a normal conversation. I thought, wow, this is so fascinating. This is very interesting. And yet I still chose not to see him differently. I was just like, okay, he just needs medication, and that's fine. And I'm going to be open to that. And then I remember another time we were sitting and eating um, dinner at sushi, and you were just like, you could not talk to me. Like, we couldn't hold a conversation because you kept looking behind you, because you kept feeling energy behind you and now I know that you're an empath and Brennan still gets this way but it's like he learned how to control it in a more natural way because he learned pretty much what it is like he's an empath to other people's energy but at that time you explained it as I forgot to take my medication and I also remember you going to the counselor and I also remember you telling me that you're unipolar not bipolar even though that doesn't exist in the what is it, DSM? Is that what you call it? the DSM, the, the book of diagnoses that psychologists and psychiatrists refer to? I'm not entirely sure of exactly what it doesn't, it, it doesn't, ex- okay, so here's, here's, I want to There's no in. like actual label, but I, jump in. I, I want to drive in, I want to dive into this really quick because if you think about your brain, okay, like if you just close your eyes and visualize your brain, what is your brain? It is like the weirdest alien looking damn thing in the world floating in fluid with electrons that we self-fire ourselves, sending how on earth could all of us have the same brain? I mean, I'm going to borrow from Tony because I love what Tony says. And, you know, we've, I've, we've actually had the honor of seeing some uh, direct messages on Instagram lately. Um, one in particular said, you know, wow, Catherine, I love you so much. I was listening to Tony Robbins. I turned it off. I was listening to Gary Bernstein. I turned it off. These are people that have really impacted Catherine in my lives. Um, but this woman says, you know, they're not the same. I want to listen to you. And so we're so honored to have that. But Tony, I just want to say this. He says, we have a 2 million year old reptilian brain is mm-hmm. not wired to make you happy. It is wired to make you survive and just work properly. and just do things <laughs> and, and survive and breathe yeah. or whatever. But if you really think about it, guys, our brains are so infinitely complex oh my god yeah infinitely complex we are all so different and we may look at each other and see similarities but so to if you really think about that if your brain is that unique and the chemistry that makes it up is that unique is it really make sense that diagnoses of your brain right of psychological conditions really are tailored to you or is it the inverse is it It's easier to classify Mm. mass groups of people by their similarities rather than by their uniqueness. Oh, wow. And I want to bring that up because for me, it's been so impactful just realizing. I used to talk a lot about brain chemistry. My dad used it as a buzzword, my psychologist, my psychiatrist. But like brain chemistry inherently is not the same. It can't possibly be the same. Mm Mm-hmm. So for me, it was just like a really, I think Catherine brings this up at a, at a really valid time, which is like, you know, this guy is like testing my thoughts of like this unipolar brain. Taking you out of your box. Taking you out of the box. And it's like, well, what really is bipolar anyway? Right. Does everyone that has bipolar act exactly the same? Yeah. Do they have the same thoughts? They have the same uh, life experiences that led to their initial, um, um, you know, um, uh, like low point low, where they got well, diagnosed. They call it, I believe, they call the it uh, the triggers. Yeah, yeah, they they call it episodes, is what they call there it. Any go. of you that have have experienced this, you may have even have trauma associated with your first episode. It's a buzzword that they use for it. None of us have the same chemistry, and so it's so. I think it, in some ways, it's the easiest way in the most efficient way to try to help people. Hmm. But there's an important... Um, um, uh, there's I an think imp- it's that there's many different ways to help people. I, I it, think that's what it comes down to, is that medication is one option, and it's a great option when you need it. 
but it, it like your help can go beyond that. And I want to because of that complexity. I want to jump in and say because this is something I've been dying to say the whole episode. It's one of my intentions <laughs> from this episode. Go for it. And I think it ties into where we are in the story very well. I may have come off medication before I was ready. Well, Listen, let's but, not get into that until we share how you got off medication because that's a very pivotal but I w- moment. But I was off medication. When, when we met? No, not when we met. No, no, but, no, no, but... no, not yet. Okay, we're okay. still on okay. when we met. So. Okay. <laughs> okay, so I just remember Brennan going to a counselor. Like, I remember just being like, okay, he just has these needs and that's totally fine. And, like, I was just so open to it. And I'm very, very, very happy that... Um, my parents raised me to accept people, accept people of different genders, different colors, different races, different backgrounds. Like none of that. I didn't even know that was a thing until I got older, until I was much older and witnessed, you know, what goes on in the world and the judgments that people have against each other. And that one thing is taboo and another thing isn't like, I just didn't see the world that way because of the way I was raised. And I was so grateful for that. And I'm so grateful for my parents because I don't think our relationship would have gotten this far if I did judge you for being bipolar and being like, you know what? I don't want to be with this, you know, quote unquote crazy person. Um, I don't want my kids to be quote unquote crazy because, you know, what if this is genetic and we have kids together and then I have to deal with a quote unquote crazy uh, husband and crazy kids. Like I just did not see it that way. And I'm really grateful for um, the way I was raised. But I remember being so open and you did take medication the first year of a relationship. Yes. You were on medication. Yes. When you moved to LA, we made sure that you went to a pharmacy. You got like yes. a year supply um, because you didn't know when you're going to get become employed and have insurance. I remember like it was so important for you to have your medication. Yes. And then came this breakthrough moment. And I'm going to let you speak this, of course. But I just want to share that I remember, um, well, talk about our, your first UPW. First of all, yeah. how you even got around to UPW and what happened at UPW that helped you see your um, mental illness, mental health in a completely different light. Yeah, I, I mean, you got, if you don't know our story, there's lots of our story of how we moved to LA and how I had a hard time finding a job and Catherine was building her beach body business and working at a desk of a home health agency and all this stuff. So if you want to dig into that, there's other episodes on that. There's lots of, of posts about that. But I think really what we're referencing, we're jumping, leaping forward. Um, when we moved to LA, I had a hard time finding a job. I was not making a lot of money. I was catering. And that was a very challenging thing for someone who was relatively educated um, and, and had high expectations of himself. And had a good job in and, Seattle yeah, that and you so, left. And so we, like when we, when we, when, okay, so we had initially, when we first, like the first week we moved to LA, Catherine had shared with me, I am not your guru by Tony Robbins. Um, <laughs> and that documentary did not blow my mind um, as much as everyone probably thought it may have. What that, what that really did is, I was very skeptical of Tony Robbins. I thought, who is this loud, arrogant guy changing lives? Like, he's very salesy. Catherine, be careful. Stay away. Don't, like, <laughs> are you sure about him? I, and I, so I was very anti Tony. And that's honestly your opinion on the law of attraction, it was and my manifestation, opinion personal yes. development. Yes. Yeah. So that was my box. And all I Am Not Your Guru on Netflix, if you have not watched it, you absolutely should. Um, it, <laughs> All that did was it took my box of hell no Tony Robbins and put a crack in it that said maybe Tony Robbins. Yeah. And so over the next few months in LA, you know, things were hard. I was not getting the job opportunities I was looking for. I thought it would be easy and it was not. And Catherine became really focused on us going to UPW. Um, and as I was challenged, as I was struggling, this became more and more appealing to me as like perhaps a solution to my problems. Um, I think honestly, that's the I truth. Think it's, I think really it's because you witnessed so many changes in me. Yes. That you're like, okay, maybe there's something in here for me too. And I also thought it might fix my problems. I think it's both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I was delusional that it would fix my problems, yeah. um, but that was part of it. Yeah. Um, like, oh, Tony will inspire me and I'll get a job and everything will be good and I'll make money. <laughs> Tony It'll be will fine. hire me. Exactly, right? <laughs> and so... Anyway, we when we went to UPW San Jose, we drove Catherine's Jetta there. Um, we could not afford it. We could not way. afford to no fly. Way. Um, we bought bread at the store um, and made sandwiches at Tony Robbins. Um, stayed in a shared Airbnb. We stayed in a shared Airbnb um, for the, the, the journey. Um, and we did not have a whole lot of resources when we went there. And one of the things... 
when we got there, I was very overwhelmed, uh, very overwhelmed. But one of the most important moments that we decided on is that we were going to sit separately. Mm-hmm. And we were going to sit separately. Ironically, they gave me a different color tag. So I was in like the very front row of the executive section, I think. VIP, VIP section. Yeah. And Catherine's in the executive. So, of course, she was like scoping me in the spot. But jump forward a little bit. Tony was a very transformational experience for me. I saw things with my eyes. Can I share a text that I got? Yeah. Because maybe you for because this is like, this is where I literally from this text forward, you guys, is where I saw the most transformation in Brennan. Just because his box was just like the old one. Someone just took it off his head and just tossed it away. Um, and it was literally this text that I got. We were, we were in the audience and I think, I don't know, I think it was like after day one or maybe after day three, it was a Tony day. And I receive a text and I ask Brennan to send me his breakthroughs. Like as he's having breakthroughs, just tell me how, how it's going because I'm super curious. Um, and now knowing that I like to take people to their first CPWs, it's one of my hobbies now, one of my passions. Um, well, you've was, taken like 120 people Yeah, now, I've taken so. like 120 people to their first CPW, but um, you were my first. And I remember receiving a text and, he, and literally Brennan in this text says, oh my God. And I'm like, what? And he's like, Tony Robbins is a manic mofo. <laughs> that was not the language I used, but you that did. is what I said. You totally did. You're like, if Tony, Ro- if Tony Robbins can stand on a stage for 15 hours, run up and down, and be so pumped up with energy, why am I seeing this as my downfall? And I didn't even get there yet. That was a moment that I had later on. It was no, but you my did. downfall. But you did say, this is my gift. I, I did. remember that. Okay, okay. So and I... boom, I think this is the pivot point. In my opinion and what I've witnessed in your journey, I could be wrong, but I remember that being the pivotal point. Well, I think, guys, okay, so Catherine's right, absolutely, but it was when when we did the um, like the mantras. I mean, Catherine's done so many um, she calls in different things. We have affirmations, we have mantras, you have hypnosis, meditation, all these things. But it was actually writing down like my rules, like what I believed to be true about myself. And I struggled with this, but I was so honest with myself. And because I was sitting separate from Catherine, I really had the support of my group of random people. And I was sharing mm. and I was crying and just being vulnerable and raw and honest. And I realized in some closed eye exercise, like, my bipolar isn't my disorder, it's my gift. And that lit a uh, beam of light through my body that carries with me through now. Um, It shifted everything for me because what I realized was I was defining myself by my limitations from my bipolar instead of counting all the ways that make me absolutely exceptional and phenomenal because I have a high energy, Mm. because I dream big, because my mind doesn't stop, because I have these visions and pictures, because I'm outgoing, because I'm such a people person, because there's a huge list of all the things that makes me just, uh, that I'm so proud of myself. And I wasn't giving credit to that, to my brain chemistry, to my bipolar. I was only seeing the ways that limited me, not the ways that augmented me. Mm, mm-hmm. And that was a huge pivotal moment for me in my journey. And I think that you got off medication pretty much then. Yeah. Right? I, I think that was your last day you took a pill. I, I yeah. But I mean, how did you know that you wouldn't, like, what, you must have had a lot of faith in the fact that, you know, I'm not going to, you know, by, like, it just blows my mind that it was so just not like sudden, but it was just like you were so empowered by this new identity and by this new meaning that you were like, I don't need medication because this is no longer my disorder. This is my gift. And I know like based off of the first time that we met, seeing you off medication, you were literally the same person on and off medication from that point where I actually did not see a difference between Brennan medicated and Brennan off medication. Like it was almost as if that identity shift put you back into control. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I I think it's, this is where, this is where for me it becomes, um, you know, 
for those of you that are listening now, um, I'm, I'm honored and I'm, I'm humbled to share my story with you, but I think it's so important to recognize that this is my journey and my experiences, and this may not be your, and there may be people out there right now who are thinking, God, the pain of this world right now is pressing down me. I feel like I'm carrying just this darkness on my back. I feel it in my throat. Um, this is not simply a place to say what work for him will mm-hmm. work for me. Yeah. That's not, you know, like we said, guys, this is not a medical diagnosis. I think that what you can realize is that anything that you've identified with will drive your life. And so, for example, if I was to advise someone who f- was feeling the way that I did on medication, I would not tell them to get off medication. I would never do that. It's not my right. It's not my place. I can't imagine what they've been through. I cannot advise them on their journey. No doctor could, even though doctors are allowed to. But what I would say to them is this. What makes you amazing? And how much time are you spending focusing on what makes you amazing? Oh, wow. How much time and energy are you putting into the things in your life that are making people love you and appreciate you and want to be around you and want to absorb your energy and want to give you love and words of affirmation and all these things. Because I guarantee you, if you're feeling anxious, you're not feeling anxious a hundred percent of the time. Even the worst cases you're feeling, let's say the worst case 99% of the time, but that 1%, what is going on that 1% of the time you're not feeling anxious? Mm-hmm. Write it out. What does it look like? What do you feel like? What happens? What's your experience of life? What are the feelings that you feel? What are the emotions that you feel? Mm. How is that different from the other 99%? Mm. And how can you expand on that? And so instead of having this become an episode about medication, that was never the intention. The question is, this is always a mindset game. If you're on medication, you should stay on medication. And the only one that can tell you otherwise is you or a medical professional. And it is not anyone's place to tell you otherwise, to judge you, to be cruel to you, to even say, wow, that's so great you're taking medication. It's no one's business. What this is about is exploring the identity that has been conditioned into you. And you can do that on medication. I recommend that you do it on medication if you're on medication. If you're not on medication and this is too painful to explore this, perhaps it's time to seek some support from someone. Whether it's a psychiatrist or a doctor or a counselor, whatever it is, a coach, a friend, it's important to be able to explore these spaces with a community who cares about you and is there to support you. Because it's always something in all of us that makes us feel good, that has an empowering future, that has a... You know, something to look forward to. So something that I tell my audience all the time is manifestation is a science in itself. Like there is a science to manifesting what you want, but there is an art to getting certainty. And certainty is a very important piece in the manifestation process. And when people reach out to me, you know, a lot of people with anxiety and I feel I feel called and able to speak about anxiety because it's something that I've struggled with, but I have a hard time when people with severe depression or bipolar or, you know, whatever, whatever the label that they identify with, like when they reach out to me, I have a really hard time giving them advice. But one thing I have said is that their form of certainty is just going to be different from people who don't struggle with those quote unquote mental illnesses. Would you agree with that? And what kind of advice would you give to people who are on a manifestation journey, but feel like this is their downfall or feel like this is the obstacle that's going to keep them from being successful? Like what piece of advice would you give, um, the people who do identify with some sort of mental illness? Oh man, what else could this mean? Is that the question you'd ask yourself? I would, I think that it could be something it like, again, like I said, first of all, I do agree with you. Okay. Um, second of all, I think that when you're in this darkness, it's really hard to see anything else. Um, we've experienced this with people in our lives. We've experienced it ourselves. I'm, I've, I'm speaking to my story about this. It's, I've absolutely felt like things are hopeless. Mm-hmm. The thing that's important to remember is that this is not an episode for when you're hopeless to be like, well, stop taking your pills. It's just fine. It doesn't feel fine. Right. So that's not the answer. You need that certainty to feel empowered enough to make a change. There's that's the answer that someone would give you. That's not listening to you. Do you see mm-hmm. that guys? 
People will give you advice when they're not listening to how you're feeling. The only person that can really make that decision for you is you. But what I hope to empower in you, what I hope to inspire in you is that there is self-reflection that maybe this isn't as permanent. Maybe this suffering isn't necessary. Maybe there's something more out there for me. If I spend the time to say, huh, how have I created this identity even more than anything that's inherently in me? Because I think that's so missed. It's someone's, everyone has anxiety, guys. Everyone has anxiety, but it's not clinical anxiety. The difference is if you feel anxious thoughts and you go ask someone who's a professional why, and they say, well, you might have some anxiety. Here's some medication. Boom. You're now wired to be identified with, I have anxiety. It's my anxiety. It's all, all of a sudden you own it. It becomes right? a part of everything that you do. You, it's a filter. You are able to do things be, in spite of your anxiety, and you're not able to do things because of your anxiety. Mm. You're able to do things in spite of being bipolar. You're not able to do things because you're bipolar. And what I'm saying is really the most important your question you have to ask yourself is, is this true? Or is this something that maybe I told myself enough or heard from others enough that I made this my truth and my belief system. And maybe that's not the way it has to be. Mm, I really love that, babe. What would you say your number one trick to getting certainty or your number one manifestation hack? Because you really are a master manifester. I don't know if I told you guys, but Brennan in a casino is a force to be reckoned with. Like he just, he's so good at manifesting money. He's so good at manifesting connections. He's such a great networker. I mean, there's so many elements that he's manifested into our life that I can't do. Like there's a lot that I'm kind of in charge of and I'm really good at manifesting. And then there's a whole nother just slew of items and slew of like different criteria that he has manifested into our life. What would you say helped you become that master manifester regardless of your challenges or what you used to believe is the reason why um, you're never going to be successful? Like what helped you become successful and what would you say your number one tool is if, if that makes sense? I think that recognizing your weaknesses is the most important thing that you can do is being real with your weaknesses, but not seeing them as worse than they are. Being really honest with yourself about what you struggle with, but then immediately after being super honest with what you, what you rock at because mm. you don't spend enough time focusing on what you're good at. Mm. Um, you don't spend enough time focusing, even thinking about it. You just focus. Oftentimes people focus on what am I not good at? And that, if that is the energy, you know, it's funny, the, the casino thing is funny because, you know, for so many people that classify themselves as bipolar, who are classified as bipolar, like a casino is like warning signs galore. I mean, we've even received DMs about that. It's like, yeah. oh, are you concerned with Brennan in the casino? The, <laughs> the funny, the tie-in for me is this. I could stay up in the casino till 6 a.m. I do actually sometimes. <laughs> But when the, in Vegas. But the thing is, is that I do not rely upon the casino to provide me with anything. Mm. I have learned, I've trained myself to recognize, like, um, uh, I, I've learned to recognize that if I am not consciously walking through moments where I appear more manic, that I can make decisions that can hurt myself or Catherine. That's really important. And I'll give you an example, a really simple one. When I win money in the casino, I put it upstairs in the safe and literally lock it. And she can testify to that. Because I know that maybe if you I know win yourself. more, I might continue to play and I could lose it. Yeah. Instead, I say, you know what? I know myself. If I won a thousand bucks, here, let me just take a hundred out and go play for another two hours. Yeah. But hey, guess what? There's 900 bucks. You know, we're good. We're up. It's all good. Um, so that's just a minor example. I think manifestation-wise, if we're going to come back to the broad question, is yeah. what really makes me good at manifesting is um, how in tune um, I've always been. And for a long time, I didn't 
recognize it. Um, Catherine mentioned I'm an empath. I pick up on people's energy like crazy. From a mile away. I just, I just, now she's learned, she used, it used to stress her out. Now she's learned to just ask what's going on. Um, instead of like, what's wrong? Um, and I'll just say, oh, some people, you know, a dad is feeling stressed on the airplane with his child. She's like, she's looking at me like, what are you talking about? But I pick up on the energy. <laughs> um, so I think I was always aware of this energy, but I didn't treat it as though I was playing with it. I treat it as though I was just observing it. And now I think I'm more intentional about how I see energy in others and where I put mine. That would be yeah. what I would say. And I would say that playing off, I really love, what really spoke to me is like knowing your weaknesses and then really playing off of your strengths is powerful because I've noticed that the moment you stopped um, trying to make your weaknesses better and, try, and putting so much focus on your weaknesses, because again, um, like when you focus so hard on your limiting beliefs and your weaknesses for the sake of trying to improve them, sometimes unconsciously what we end up doing is we end up manifesting more of a reality in which our weaknesses and our limiting beliefs are present. So it's good to acknowledge them and it's good to know yourself and it's good to know, hey, this might be a limiting belief that I want to take a look at. But living in that place, you're just going to create more of that reality. And when you start to shift your focus to what are my empowering beliefs and how can I strengthen them? Or what are my strengths and how can I strengthen them? Like with Brennan, it really is his energy. It really is his voice. It's his intensity. It is his, um, it really is your kindness, babe. Like you're one of the kind, most kind, heartfelt individuals I've ever met. Like you will go out of your way to help anybody and you have, you give people the best advice. And I've just witnessed you at my retreats. Um, even at our wedding, like we ended up coaching a couple of people, me, both of us included, and just seeing how much care you have for others, I that energy just returns to you and you just find your way through anything that you want to manifest because you started to focus on your strengths, not your weaknesses. Totally, totally agree. I mean, do you want to do, I, I feel like it's a great opportunity to talk about 80-20. What's, what's eight, the 80-20 yeah, rule? Yeah, Pareto's principle. Yeah. Um, 80% of your... Um, what is it exactly? Your returns. You could just say eighty percent of your results come from twenty percent of your actions. Yes, exactly. So it's like you know, focusing on what you're best at. That's this is why it's so important to recognize your limiting beliefs. But you will be working on your limiting beliefs for the rest of your life. <laughs> so if you just spend all your time there, you'll never actually. You'll just be rolling in a doldrum uh, rather than than stepping out of it and just yeah. recognizing it. Yeah. Um. Let's wrap up here just yeah. because I don't want to make this. I mean, Brennan and I can go on for hours, um, but I want to make this as actionable for you as possible where you get inspired and you're like, whoa, this is not my obstacle. I mean, this is my challenge, but it's also there's so many gifts within this challenge, right? I really want you to the, the biggest the biggest takeaway that we want you to get out of this is how to reframe your mental health, mental, mental illness, mental struggle, whatever, however you call it. And we really want to show you that this does not prevent you from manifesting your dream life. This will not prevent you from succeeding unless you focus on all the reasons why you can't succeed because of this. And I think also to just take a moment and recognize that no one can tell you how to take on your journey. No yep. one. Yep. That's so important to me because I spent so much time listening to other people. You alone, this is um, this is meant to reframe this journey for you so that you can make a decision, multiple decisions, everyday decisions about mm -hmm. how to live your life, about the choices that you make, about the choices to view yourself a certain way, about your the choices to view your challenges a certain way in the hope that you can find a place where you can say, wow, I've got challenges, we all do, but I'm exceptional anyway, and I am working on my challenges, but I know my strengths, and that's what's driving me exactly to where I wanna go. Boom, so I have two more questions for you, babe. One is, what are you most proud of in your journey so far? Recogn uh, that's a great question. <laughs> I think I am the most proud of recognizing that I'm no different now than I was then. I just gave it a different meaning. Ah, uh, meaning. I still stay up till 2 a.m., true? 
Oh my god, yeah. I still am loud <laughs> as hell and hyper high. I'll walk in a room and Catherine will literally look at me and she'll say, your energy is owning the room. And that's a, a mention to me to just cool it. But I think what I mean... Sometimes. What I mean by this is I'm still the same person. I'm so high energy. I'm so intense. I'm loud. I'm absent-minded. You're I not, have visions. I you're have... not for everyone, just as I'm not for everyone, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I think it's important to recognize. Like I am exactly the same as I've always been. I just found a way to say, wow, this is what made me incredible. This is what makes me incredible. This is what makes me me. Instead of viewing it through a lens of like, God, you're so loud. You're so insomniac. You, you're such an insomniac. You, I, I mean, all of the, I could look at it with all these, all of these, all of these negative viewpoints. And instead, I've chosen to make it mean you are exceptional because of your gifts. Oh, I love that. So I'm going to kind of put you on the spot just because um, a million and a half people have been just asking Brennan where they can find more about his journey and more of his content. And I don't know if you're ready for that, babe, but either way, you do have an Instagram, like you do have a Facebook. You guys are welcome to find me. You do (laughs) show up on my social media. So if you guys watch my story, like Brennan will show up at least once a day. But where can more, where can people find more about you and your journey? Like where can people follow you? Certainly. I spend a lot of my time on um, social media, on IG, as, as Brennan King O'Keefe. It's that's my full Instagram, name. by the way. That's Instagram. <laughs> that's correct. Brennan King O'Keefe. No, and, no apostrophe, right? And that's a place for, yeah, exactly. That's a place for me just to, to share bits and pieces. Um, you know, for me, Catherine's personal brand is um, something that's beautiful. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, not all of us have the same um, ambitions in terms of being uh, a personal brand. But for me, it's a beautiful to watch that unfold. And, um, you know, I do share quite a few things about my journey there. Um, and we'll continue to do more of that. And you are very inspiring. Let me tell you that people ask me all the time, where's, when is Brennan speaking on stage? Like where's his podcast? But I have been learning over the last two years to not pressure anyone into doing anything that they don't want to do. And just like he overcame medication um, at his in his own timing, in his own way, I will let his own journey unfold beautifully. As of now, Brennan is the... Um, Basically, you are chief. Um, what do we call you? COO, chief. We're we're partners in business, but I call myself uh, 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 COO. Yes. What does COO stand for? Am I, why am I getting this wrong? Is it chief operations officer? Operating officer. Chief we're, we're, operating officer. We're not even a corporation, so none of these titles even mean anything. Stop. But it's just an easy way to do we it. Do, well, we are partners in business and life, and it's a fantastic <laughs> existence. So yeah, Brennan at Brennan King O'Keefe. And guys, do me a favor. Um, this is just coming from me purely. But if this episode helped you in any way, shape, or form, tag us both. And also feel free to send a DM to Brennan or leave a comment on his Instagram or um, even send him an email if you feel called to Brennan at manifestationbabe.com and just share with him how impactful he's been with, he's been with this episode and how his uh, tips and tricks and the story that he shared and what he overcame. And, you know, if you found any bit of this episode helpful to you in any way, shape or form, please let us know. Um, Take a screenshot of this, share it in your story, uh, leave a review, send him a message and please share this with a friend. So maybe you personally aren't struggling with um, mental health, but you do have a friend or a family member would so appreciate you sharing the link to this episode. Um, Whether you're on iTunes or Spotify or Podbean, um, you can find this episode across all three platforms. And you want to say something? I do want to bring up one last thing, even though Catherine had a beautiful segue there. (laughs) I want to bring up, I know the question will be asked, how do I support someone in my life Mm. who's dealing with these challenges, even though I'm not experiencing them? The truth of the matter is the only thing that you can do is is share your love and your support because everyone, just like medication, everyone is on their own journey. They're on their own experience of life. And if you tie their decisions to your sense of guilt or shame or of worth or your, or judgments, of your or judgments or opinions or experience, you not only will be hurting them, but you'll be hurting yourself. So my, my advice to you is to simply be there for them and to be supportive of them and 
share with them exceptional levels of love and support because they may not be at the point that everyone has their rock bottom at the moment that hits that, that it makes sense for them. That is a painful part of addiction cycles, something that here in the U.S. we are experiencing a, a, a you know a, an opioid epidemic that is touching you know thousands or millions of people. Um, every addict has a rock bottom. Every you know mental illness is going to have a rock bottom. Every and also just um, you know just life. A, life like in business. I had many rock bottoms. I had many rock bottoms with anxiety. I've had many rock bottoms. Um, I mean, in all areas of my life, in my health journey, like I struggled with um, anorexia and bulimia and orthorexia and just like with with every journey comes a rock bottom. But I, you know, as you said, like with the with the support and with the love, I believe that we can all overcome anything. The painful truth is this. The painful truth is my parents offered me immense love and support. The people at my college offered me immense love and support. My ex-girlfriends offered me immense love and support. My sister offered me immense love and support. Everyone in my life that cared about me offered me immense love and support. And only I could find my life in the timing that it was meant to. Mm. So be easy on yourself. Love those you care about. Support them. Help them grow. Help give them the things that they need at that time. But don't judge them and don't get frustrated with them. Because they're just doing the best that they can with the resources that they have at this part of their journey. And you can only hope that in time they'll be ready. But that's not on you to carry the shame or guilt of. You're only there to do the best that you can to support them and love them. And for anyone that's listening that's going through this, please acknowledge that if you're in a mental health challenge currently, there is so much hope for you. But please tag anyone also that you appreciate for helping you and reaching out, even if it wasn't something that felt good, even if you lashed out at them, even if you got mad at them or, you know, you know, block them on social media, whatever it is, if there's someone who is trying to help in your life and now you're having a moment of reflection realizing, damn, I was so pissed, that hurt, I was so mad, I hated you, but you were trying to show me love and support, please let them know. Because only at the end of all of this will you really realize Will they really realize that we're all just trying to live together and help each other? Mic drop, Brennan. I love you so much. You have helped me in so many ways in my own journey. You've been my emotional rock. You've been my biggest inspiration. And I cannot wait to see what comes your way, not just our way, but your way in 2019 and for the rest of your life. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for sharing your words of wisdom. I know this episode is going to be a game changer and I know this episode is going to help a lot of people. So thank you for helping me co-create in this episode and being the star of this episode, helping me um, interview people and also being so open and honest with your journey. Um, so thank you. I love you and I'm honored by you. Aww. All right, you guys have a fantastic whenever you're listening to this, whether it's a weekend, night, day, morning, whatever. Hope you have a fantastic day. And again, share with us what your breakthroughs are and let us know how impactful this was. Love you guys so much. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you absolutely loved what you heard today, be sure to share it with me by leaving a review on iTunes so that I can keep up with the good stuff coming your way. If you aren't already following me on social media, come soak up the extra inspiration on Instagram by searching at ManifestationBabe or visiting my website at ManifestationBabe.com. I love and adore you so much and cannot wait to connect with you in the next episode. In the meantime, go out there and manifest some magic. 